Going for the big ball. Wide open. Touchdown. Brandon Cooks. Goff. Over the middle. Fires. It's caught for the touchdown at Sam Laporta. Seahawks need a big defensive play now. Purdy. Pocket kick straight. It's a deflection. It's an interception. It's a big play. It's a Jordan Brooks touchdown. That'll do. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Welcome back. No, not welcome back. I'll be just welcome to the big program. Feels like I've been here since six in the morning, Duke. Holy smokes. Welcome to the big program. Hey, the weekend is here, so let's uh, tear up the old pea patch clicker into Schnell and make a fast break to the midnight hour or even the 11 o'clock hour will do. It's uh, American Thanksgiving week, weekend, uh, always tons of football going on in Sol 58 for us here on a November the 25th. Uh, and uh, as we always do on Friday, uh, let's welcome in our Friday co-host from 7 to 9, former Double year, former CFLer Eddie Steele, brought to you by Bonton Bakery. Did you know Bonton Bakery's long-term, long-fermentation sourdough breads not only are delicious, but they are also good for digestion and are a diabetes-friendly alternative. Check out the full lineup of bread in-store or order online at bonton.ca. Good morning, Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Ah, another solid week, you know, in the Sports 1440 studios. What about you? Enjoyed, obviously, NFL yesterday. and Lots of good games. <laughs> well, I don't, oh, one good game. Yeah. One good game. One good game. The other two were kind of blowouts. What was the best part for you of, uh, of the three, maybe? You know, just having football on. Yeah. Being able just to track the games throughout the day, obviously, with work, I wasn't able to, mm-hmm. to tune in as finely as I'd like to. But, you know, you're paying attention to the scores and yeah. whatnot. And then, of course, having a game on Thursdays like there always would be. It's just good to have ball on and no other sports, too, so you can just focus on the ball. Focus on NFL. Best part for me, two words. Dolly Parton. <laughs> she killed it. She killed it. Unbelievable. It, it, it really is, man. You know, comes out in the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader outfit, 70, what, seven, eight years old? Just a show stealer. 77 years 77 old. 77 years old and just a highlight of the day. Yeah, of course. And, okay, like if you're going to rank the other halftime shows with compared to Dolly Parton, it's not even No, cool. it's not. You can't rank you know. them. Not in the same ballpark. <laughs> oh, yes. Dolly's going to Dolly. Yes, that was great. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Oilers in action this afternoon in Washington. We'll get to a lot of Oilers coverage in, uh, uh, you know, a couple of minutes, uh, you know, as the show progresses as well. Yesterday, big news out of the Edmonton Elks, Eddie, and basically talking about private ownership. You could call it, they call it a, a checking out uh, the structure of ownership, but there's only two ownerships. One's community, one's private. So basically, if you're not community owned, how are you going to be owned? You're going to be owned be privately. Private. So um, 
when you heard all that yesterday, uh, your thoughts on that? Because we've been talking about this for a long time. I uh, personally was pretty pleased the fact that it was even an option on the table uh, and that they made that public that it was an option on the table because I think it's something that you should explore. Always private ownership if there's people out there with deep pockets. Uh, so why not lay that out there and it's get the process started and just engaging and seeing if that is a potential for the future. What do you think? Well, again, this is something that isn't new this has been bandied about for a long time. I've been talking about it, actually, I'll be honest with you, ever since probably three years now, a lot more seriously. And it's kind of ironic. We're going to have Dwayne Mandruziak on the show at, from 10 to 11, along with Sparky Kolchitsky and Barry St- Stafford. I mean, three Edmonton sports legends that have been around the game a long time, but getting to Dwayne. So when he was unceremoniously let go by the Edmonton franchise uh, would be three years, I guess, September of 2020. At that point is kind of when it's it's just the way, that's just the facts. In yeah. the last three, three and a half years is when the team has gone downhill. Yeah, it really so, is that time frame. You know, it is that time frame. So at that point is kind of when the board of directors for you, you there's many reasons here and we know we all you know it's covid it's this it's that it's bad hires it's uh, bad vision it's bad decisions but at that point as you can see the board started to fail the team absolutely okay so now you go okay what are our options well private ownership is one of them so you can look at it moving forward in the sense that it, like and it's not to, you know we're not saying if you come in and, and it's private ownership things are going to flip the switch like that it's not going to it doesn't work no. that way you're going to have to build it's going to have to be something like what happened in BC you know so you have to earn and win the fans back the people back and maybe this helps I don't know but it it's a start and I mean we'll see what happens here in the next little bit but I think as as you being a, you know a former double year you've been saddened by the direction of a lot of things with this team. So again, I think this is a step in the right direction to explore absolutely every avenue, every opportunity and every uh, possibility that you can do to turn things around. So, yeah, I mean, I I would agree. And you're right. It, It is hurt. It's disappointment. It's shock. Because, like, you've been in the community. You're essentially, we talk about you being from Melville, but <laughs> nah, you're an Edmontonian. I'm an Edmontonian, yeah. And I'm an, I'm... we know the pride and the history and the tradition behind this organization to see that rot that has happened over the three and a half years. And the frustrating thing is you alluded to it's been many poor decisions made. But then where do you look at those decision makers? And I'm not calling for the the pitchforks and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but like, who is it? And nobody knows. That's the one thing. It's always just been so anonymous. So that's my biggest concern with having the community-owned team Mm -hmm. club with the board who, you know, we don't even hear them uh, in front of a microphone ever if they're the so-called end-all, be-all decision makers. So that's that's frustrating for sure. And again, and you've heard me say this word many, many times with this organization, and again, when it's community-owned, it has to be used, and that's transparency. You have to have it. When you have people making decisions on a community-owned franchise with a board of directors that are, you know, I mean, they have a shareholders meeting yesterday. 
it's 10 bucks to be a shareholder, right? And so you've got what, I don't know how many, 75, whatever, I don't even know how many shareholders there are, but that's what, that's what we're at right now. So if you're a privately owned franchise, well, there isn't that transparency. You don't, you, you, as a fan, you're, uh, you know, you are as a fan in Edmonton, you are owed that by a community owned team. Yes, you are. As a, from a uh, privately owned team, you're not. You can inquire about things and wonder about things, but the owner, that's his team. He can do with it what he wants, and we've seen that with Daryl Cates with decisions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, the crux of this, too, that was brought up yesterday was, uh, what did they say, come twenty sometime in 2024, the uh, the pool is essentially going to run dry. So that's uh, that's another thing you have to consider. It, uh, the world revolves around, I hate to say it, but it comes down to the dollars. This is all money, again. So... The biggest uh, drop in the pool, if you want to call it, it was more than a drop of that stabilization fund came when the then Eskimo sold the Edmonton Trappers. Okay, the Trappers were the AAA team here. Wonderful organization. I mean, that was, I mean, won the PCL championship in 2002. Everything's humming along, but they got $6 million US for that franchise. Sold it down to in Little Rock, Arkansas, somewhere down there to Nolan Ryan's son, I think it was. So they got six million US for that. So that's where all that money, a lot of it, went into the stabilization fund. And now you're investing it. So they were investing it and making money off the interest, and it it climbed up to twelve, thirteen million dollars. But the team, to its credit, also put in a lot of uh, money into the stadium. You know the seats, mm-hmm. this and that. They yep. paid. They paid a lot of things Some like good that. Facelift. They did. Yeah. Uh, text line open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Give us a shout as well one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevin Carries, Eddie Steele. So again, the the team has spent a lot of that money, and they spent it in a, in a good way. But the last few years, it hasn't been a bad way. And yes, we understand the COVID situation. We do, but every team had to go through that. Yeah, yeah that's just it. That's not even an excuse. No, but a lot of funds were ha- not handled properly. They're depleted. And they're depleted because you look at the stands. Again, that's the whole thing. So now you're dipping into that every year. So I, my best guess by talking to people that are in the know would be there's and again they have to be transparent on this they haven't been like last year they're calling they're call they call the uh the end of the year meeting at 9 30 in the morning they send a release out for an 11 o'clock meeting well yeah. you can't do that no you can't you know, I, I, I will say there just uh from a personal standpoint being an alumni there has been over the past year and a half some better efforts uh, at least to involve the alumni in the process and kind of what's going on, not saying that we have to have a, a an end-all, be-all say, mm-hmm. but at least keeping us in the loop with what's going on with this organization. Uh, they've had a couple of town halls and had uh, some opportunities for mm-hmm. us to go and voice our opinions. And uh, let me tell you, there's been some, some names that a lot of people would be very familiar with, yeah. quite vocal in those meetings. It was something quite eye-opening to see, actually. So... I will say they've done a much better job at least trying to be transparent, but Mm -hmm. they still trip over themselves here and there. So, again, with 
attendance dwindling, um, and that takes a toll on everything. It takes a toll on your merchandise, your concessions. It, it's everything. It, it just goes on and on. Run. It just adds up, adds up. I think you know at a high point there was maybe twelve, thirteen million in the in the kitty and the stabilization fund. You want to call it that? I believe it would be down to somewhere in the three range, three mm-hmm. to four. Yep. Might even be lower. Lower even. Could be. Yep. And you know well, they say twenty twenty four, so what is that? It is <laughs> I was thinking this yesterday. Is that early twenty twenty four you guys are about to run dry or they got something to last through I the think season? They, I think they have this season. But again, if you're uh I mean you can't just ask uh, ask companies and businesses if you're gonna be a community owned team, here, you know, fork over a few hundred grand, you know, and you can be part of the team. You know, it's not gonna work that way. No. Businesses aren't doing that anymore. And here they are, they're shifting the upper deck to, or they close the upper deck and shifting the season seat holders. There's just so much going on, and I, I really hope it all works out. Everyone does, yeah. I mean, uh, I, again, it could be, I don't know if the, the $3 million, if I'm exactly ballpark, but of course we're just kind of... We're spitballing. A little bit, but, you know, just by looking at the numbers and you see and you hear this and you hear that. So That's right around what I've heard, too. Yeah. You, for sure, I've heard that kind of figure. So it is game day for the Edmonton Oilers, an afternoon tilt in Washington. Um, we're going to post this question and throw it out for our listeners. Do you, and it's in Washington against the Capitals, and I'll throw this one at you as well, Eddie. Do you think Alex Ovechkin will surpass Wayne Gretzky all time in goals? He's uh, right now at 827, Gretzky 894. Now, how about this, though? Will he pass it? Another one. Do you want him to pass Wayne Gretzky? That's another question. That's another question. Not saying maybe, because a lot of people think he will, but do you want Alex Ovechkin to pass so Wayne Gretzky. He's 67 off. Go, 67. At the beginning of the year, he, he had a slow start. and got five goals this year. Yeah, he's at, well, he's at five now, but he's second on his team. The leader on his team is at eight, five goals. Um, yeah, they're saying that he's the type of guy that's going to play until he gets the record, regardless of how old he is, even if it takes him three more years. I think Washington's going to show him that love. I, mm-hmm. I think he does get it, in my opinion. Okay. Because he started slow, but he's coming on hot now. Like, he, he is. He really is. <laughs> he's he, hot, yeah. He, he's coming on hot. And uh, here's another one. Um, article in The Athletic, uh, Robbie Rossi did it. Uh, basically, Alex Ovechkin uh, has said, and do you believe this? Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby saved the NHL. I saw that. Okay. So... I don't think he's wrong by saying this. I think he's very, he's bang on because in the sense of how the NHL was at that time, more importantly, the the main focus here and the main main subject of what that statement means, 2005 was the lockout. So people weren't happy with the NHL. People, fans were pissed off about, they were mad at the players. They were mad at the owners. I mean, I don't know if you remember back then, Eddie, because you were just a oh, young, young whippersnapper oh, I remember back at because, Kelvin High. I remember because Sports Center, day, <laughs> day 198 of the lockout. Yeah. You know, uh, every day they would show it on Sports Center. But I, I do agree. Him and Sid saved it. Mm-hmm. They both came in. I read that article. Both came in, 100 points, uh, created that rivalry because we need that rivalry yeah. in sports. You know, Sid did what he did. They're both legendary careers, you know, at the end of the day. Ovi solidifying himself, getting that Stanley, what was that, in 18? 
Uh, yeah, I think eighteen, right around there. Uh, Caps Stanley Cup five years ago, twenty eighteen. Four, four it was eighteen. Yeah. Ooh, not bad, Steel Eddie Spaghetti with the meatball <laughs> eyes. <laughs> not bad. But in all reality, yeah, Ovi's going to break the record. Yeah. I think the Capitals they'll keep him around until he breaks that record. And sixty-seven off from it, he's probably going to finish with I'd say at least thirty this year. So yeah, he's inching there. Yeah. Well, we got a, another jam-packed show today. We're still trying to work on Chris Morris, who won the U-Sports Coach of the Year. Congrats to Chris Morris of the Alberta Golden Bears. Um, last time it happened was way back with Jerry Friesen won it when he was coaching here. So uh, congrats to Chris. We're well still deserved. working on that. But uh, Declan Freddy Krueger. Uh, <laughs> you like, what are you laughing at now, dude? Oh, just the the nicknames thing, because uh, yeah. De- Low Tide talked about this with Declan last week. I think as Low Tide was concerned because Declan doesn't ha- he doesn't have a little uh, shorthand thing. Obviously, you call me the Duke, and yeah. Gregor calls Connor Con Man. Con Man. Yeah. Um, and so Low Tide was like, Declan's left out. He needs something. And I said, Well, the, this is what Kevin calls him, and Low Tide was like. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, nobody knows uh, college ball more than uh, Declan Freddy Krueger, so uh, he's going to hop on with us in a few minutes here. Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet in the nation's capital of the United States of America, in Washington. Uh, Speck will join us at 8. Uh, Alexa Landestoy, uh, Capitals Analyst uh, at 8.20 at 8.40. Eddie Steele and I will be going, are you in or are you out? I thought there could be a Dolly Parton question on here. I was hoping for one. Any Dolly Parton question I would have put on there would just got me in trouble here on the AM. Oh, no, man. <laughs> oh, um, We're on the AM. Yeah. Making, me, making me feel some kind of way. <laughs> um, at 9.20, Alain Poupard, uh, alldolphins.com and Sports Illustrated. That's the first Black Friday game in NFL history today on the Friday. So this afternoon, the Jets and the Miami Dolphins play in New York. Uh, Jets are, what, nine and a half dogs on that one, Duke? I believe. Something maybe 10? Mm, yeah, I haven't checked the line yet today, but uh, it'll be close to double digits because the Jets are incapable Holy of scoring man, points. Eh? Who's starting the, for them at the Tim Boyle era Tim, yeah, in Tim. New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, do you Zach guys, Wilson do, demoted to third string quarterback. Do you, think, do you think Tim Boyle finishes the game? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Probably. I mean, what are they, they? They have nowhere else. They have no more room down to go on no, the offensive side of the ball. Back. So yeah. you, like, you, you give him the ball, and if you're getting your doors blown off, so what? Just roll him out there. He's Tim Boyle. Like, yeah. It's not like you're damaging a top prospect's confidence or something. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, then at 10 o'clock, I've been working on this for almost three months now to get these guys in the studio at the same time. Coordinating. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so Sparky Kolchinski from the Oilers, along with Barry Stafford, long-time equipment managers, and your pal and our pal, Dwayne Mandruzic of the then Edmonton Eskimos. And the three of them are going to come in the studio from 10 to 11. What do you make of that, Eddie? I wish I was here. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you can disappointed stick you didn't do well, that during I, our time. Enough, as it is, one of us is going to have to share mics here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's going to be some some good memories, though. Good storytelling. You know there. what? I, I just I got this vivid picture in my mind of the three of them right now. 
uh, from that movie, uh, Grumpy Old Men, you know, getting ready in the bathtub, you know, the three of them are, they got the back scrubbers going and, yeah, you know, yeah. washing. They're, put, they're putting on the aftershave, you know, and yeah, getting put, ready for the day, putting in the brill cream and all that stuff. Oh, the brill cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, text line open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We're going to be talking, uh, college football when we come back with Declan Kruger, and uh, I don't know. I mean, is there is there just one game going on this weekend that really anyone cares about? But I'm sure there are a few other ones that the deck will, uh, or Freddie, whatever you want to call him, will uh, chime in on. Uh, so it's uh, Kevin Carius, Eddie Steele. Coming up, Declan, Freddie Krueger on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back. Yes, now welcome back to the big program. Text coming in, one 1440 Get to a good one from Derek and Leduc in a few minutes. Uh, Randy sends one in, uh, hey, Dick, Elk should do $10 tickets. They would sell out because families could go. 10 times 31,000 seats, 310,000 per game. Randy, well, unfortunately, Randy, they need to probably make triple that, maybe that and more on a gate to, just to survive. I don't know if it'd be a... You need a million and a half a gate plus that and then some to survive in the CFL. And that's why a lot of teams are struggling. And that's why tickets are what they are. Lots on uh, empty net goals for Alex Ovechkin. Uh, don't want him to pass. Not Don't do it till next year. Might be the year after for sure. Raw Dog Reed says records are meant to be broken. And uh, J-Dog, just in case uh, you missed it. So we are having uh, Dwayne Mandruziak. Coming into the studio, we are having Barry Stafford come into the studio and Sparky Kolchitsky from 10 to 11 uh, today. So we will go down, I mean, th- maybe a few stories there, Eddie, between the three of them. Oh, just a few, you think? <laughs> is Freddie out of the rack here yet or what? No, no, you can't get him. Is that, the? Is that? come on, Duke. We're, uh, yeah, just working on getting a hold, a hold of Declan this morning. I told him, because uh, keep in mind, Declan's days don't uh, don't start this early. So I uh, when I was talking to him last night, I said, you better be up and ready to roll. Oh, man. Boy, I can't so, wait till low tide finds out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tell low tide. He'll crack the whip. Oh, boy. So, well, let's kind of start a little yeah, bit yeah, of the conversation. It, it, what's a big weekend? The rivalry Rivalry weekend. weekend. So there's a lot of good... Uh, actually, I take that back. I'm not going to say a lot of good yeah. games, uh, but there are a few key games, like that Michigan-Ohio so game. So that's number one, yeah. Andy, right? Yeah, for sure. What well, do you make of that one? I mean, just because with everything that's going on with this side stealing and harm, yeah. I, I, I'm a Michigan fan, you know, uh, I call me a, a wacko, but I'm a Harbaugh fan. Mm-hmm. I really liked him whenever when he was in the NFL as the head coach of the Niners. And uh, he just is the uh, fiery, inspiring type of coach, you know, that I, my personality kind of jives with. Uh, so I, I hope Michigan comes out, but uh, it's going to be a tough one, man. A couple of really strong teams. Uh, where, do, where is that one? Is that in Ohio? It's in the big house. It's in it's Michigan. It's in Michigan? Yep. Yeah. So that's at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, it'll be on Fox Sports. So they'll be there probably running their programming from 6 in the morning. <laughs> they might start tonight at midnight. Oh, you know, <laughs> college game day right <laughs> at 12.01 starts. Well, yeah. But I mean, the, the, the game day, college game days, you know, ESPN and Fox are just having a, a you-know-what contest. Because they're trying to get you know everyone on it uh, to watch from. I mean, they're starting early in the uh, morning. Their pre games are you so know. long. And I mean, the one time I think they went to Colorado a few weeks ago, and Colorado didn't play till at night or later in the day. So these guys were there like because of the times change and everything. I mean, they're on the air at like eight in the morning in Colorado All because day. it's on you know at ten. Well, no, it would be even earlier, seven in the morning because it's on at nine o'clock. 
Yeah. They're literally putting like 12 hours in on air. Way more, yeah. (laughs) Way more. So the winner of the uh, Ohio State and Michigan game, uh, that's for the Big Ten title. Yeah. Uh, The winner will go off to uh, play in uh, the championship game in Indy next week, and that'll be against Iowa, and that'll be just a steamroll anyway, right? So this is the game. This is the game. So the one question I had to you about, um, you know, Michigan has... At, at running back, okay, Blake Corum. Now, remember I asked you ab- ab- about uh, Brady Oliveira? Mm-hmm. And I said, do you think Brady Oliveira can, I don't know, play in the NFL? I think Game that was the translate. question. Yeah. And you said, I don't think so, because he's just in the middle of a, of a real powerful scat back that has that explosive speed. And then you said he's too small for a fullback kind of thing. Yeah. So well, th- uh, that's uh, the whole conversation of the NFL. That's interesting that you bring this up. You remember that hit that Lua Uguak had? Mm-hmm. The great guy? He splattered yes. Brady. So I was talking with my dad about that, and my dad brought up a great point, and my dad is a good football mind. Um, and he said that if Brady was in the NFL – Every hit he's taking is like that hit because the linebackers in the NFL are literally the size of Uguak. They're 6'4", 250. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not playing CFL linebackers who are tweener guys who are half of them are DBs. I don't think the game will translate because, no, he's not a burner. He's a pounder, but there is literally hundreds of thousands of pounder running backs in the NFL coming out of college. Yep. And he's going to be 27 years old. Another X if he fact, were If he were two or three years younger... You think um, you'd get a look, yeah. you'd get a look, but I hate to say it. Running backs are a devalued <laughs> position. They're a dime a dozen and they're, they're not going to get paid. And I, I hate to be harsh on the players, but from a management standpoint, I get it. I totally understand it. I really do. The X factor with Brady though, why he's in such a sweet spot is mm-hmm. his offensive line in that chemistry. They have been creating something in Winnipeg that has been so good and so strong there in the trenches. And it wasn't just Brady this year. Andrew Harris had been doing the same things the past three years before Brady. So they have a really good thing. You go to a different offensive line, you put Brady behind the Elks offensive line or even Montreal's offensive line, it does not look the same. Mm -hmm. So you got to take into account the whole team aspect. It's not just one guy running through guys because that offensive line, they open up holes and Brady himself will tell guys he can hide behind his guards, let them do the dirty work, and then sneak for six yards. So... I don't know how, how often you've watched Corum out of uh, Michigan then this year. And, mm. you know, he had a good season last year, too. So where does he translate? I mean, to me, he's probably, and I've never, I don't know exactly the height and weight of Corum compared to Oliveira, but is he in the mix to go to the NFL and, and take it to this? Lo- it, absolutely. He's in the mix solely for the fact that he's playing at Michigan. He's a young guy on the biggest stage. He's going to get drafted. That's, it's how it works. Uh, Brady played at University of North Dakota and uh, st- had a couple of NFL tryouts uh, coming out then. But, you know, when you're playing like Corum is at Michigan, you're the what, number three ranked team mm-hmm. in the nation. You're playing on the big stage. And like you said, he had a great seat, not great, but a really strong season last year, a strong season season this year. You're going to get drafted for sure. Yeah. Getting back to double, I wanted to double back uh, just to when you mentioned Oliveira and the line he had. So with the Elks last year with Kevin Brown, he had a really good season last year in limited amount of games, but this year it was hit and miss. And was that was that game script because they were behind a lot? Was it uh, the fact 
I thought the O-line was similar to what it was the year prior. Where did you see... Because I, I thought Kevin Brown's game wasn't as good as it was last year. No, he, he hit the scene uh, in a big way last year when he first came out. And uh, I think why it was such a breath of fresh air is because it was a shot of electricity in that offense that they didn't have. This year... Teams knew who Kevin Brown was. Mm-hmm. He had a slower start to the season, absolutely. He did gain some good ground in the second half of the season. He finished with over 1,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he, he finished with a, a fairly strong season, but it was very touch-and-go this year, much like the entire offense of this team. And we saw a significant, significant uptick in their um, production once they switch quarterbacks, right? And that's there's a correlation there for sure with Kevin Brown's numbers mm-hmm. being stronger in the second half once Trey Ford was in, a, a more of a threat. Right, and I guess you could say Trey Ford took away That's, some of his carries exactly, too, right? Exactly, took away, not even so much take away carries, but he takes away some attention from the defense right? more so than anything, and that allows for Kevin to be more of a threat. Would, would you say they ran more options? When Ford was in there and Brown and and Trey Ford's going, uh, it's maybe looking better for me to pull back and pull the ball in and go. Definitely that uh, it's that newer concept. It's not play action, but it's the RPO, yep. that run pass option. And they ran a ton of that with Trey. Text coming in one eight three 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 four zero one fourteen forty. Absolutely love the college game day programs. Saturday morning comes from the base Count Basie. Now. You did say okay. Well, there's some good games, but a lot of a lot of the games could be quite lopsided tomorrow. Um, maybe the one that it, maybe the second best game is Oregon State in Oregon, and and maybe I'm wrong, but that probably could be number two when it comes to I don't know pure enjoyment, pure as far as it being a game and not being a runaway like some of these games could be. Georgia should be a runaway. But Oregon State comes in at ranked number 16, Oregon number 6. A trip uh, to the Pac-12 championship is on the line here for the Ducks. So I, I, don't, I haven't watched a lot of these teams, but I've watched hit and miss because only because of the time that they're on. It seems, you know, they're not on at 10 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of guys are doing stuff, and you can maybe watch them later in they're the late. afternoon or, yeah. or later. These so. West Coast teams, they play late sometimes. Yeah. So, and maybe they don't get the credit. Again, we always talk about that too, Eddie, with teams in the NHL or even Major League Baseball that all the teams that play out on the West Coast, no one really knows exactly what's going on out East because everyone's... They don't get it, the eyes. They're all in the fart sack long, long ago. So do you, do you have you been able to watch any of these two teams a little bit this year? Yeah, I've kept up with them a little bit. And that's probably, I agree with you, the only other game that potentially is going to be really entertaining. Just you look at the records of a lot of these teams and you get a highly ranked team, which is typically the big school in the state going against the state school, which is, you know, typically middle of the pack. I'm looking at a lot of the records and it's a lot of clubs that are like, you know, eight and one or mm-hmm. eight and two, ten and zero. Oh going against a 5 and 5 club or a 5 and 6 club and yeah it's rivalry week and it's fun to see and it, the crowds are going to be awesome but there are going to be a lot of blowouts like you said Duke how many games have you really watched start to finish have you been able to do that on a saturday because i know you're out at the farm and yeah, you know the, farming the for love couple, and all that yeah oh yeah no the, the, the <laughs> last couple weeks not as much but at the start of the season i was pretty much every saturday okay. on the couch um watching what is available to us because we we are 
um, limited to what uh, basically just the ESPN games because that's what TSN uh, airs on Saturday. And if you have the online like TSN Plus programming and yeah. stuff, you get access to a few more games. So I've watched quite a get quite a bit of ball over the course of this this fall. And I mean, I know what you guys are saying that yes, the the spreads are pretty big and there's ranked teams, but in these rivalry games, the the extra juice provides a little bit more intrigue in terms of upset possibility. And because so many of these ranked schools have things on the line, because there's still like eight teams that could make a play for the college football playoff here coming up in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, like everything from uh, like the Michigan and Ohio State game, like that game is, is going to matter intensely for that situation, right? And then even Washington versus Washington. Mizzou, Oregon, Oregon State, uh, like Texas isn't out of it, and they play Texas Tech, who is underachieved this year, but okay. it, I mean, we all know how the Longhorns uh, can shoot themselves in the foot sometimes. So I, I, I get it. They're, the spreads are pretty big, probably outside of Florida and FSU, which I think is about a touchdown. And that's only because Jordan Travis is, isn't playing quarterback mm-hmm. for the Seminoles. Um, but otherwise, they're mostly like two touchdown spreads. But it's rivalry week. Anything can happen, and that's what makes college ball so exciting mm-hmm. to watch. I want to ask you boys a question. Uh, I was on the Colorado hype train early to begin the year, and we've <laughs> seen how that's gone. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on that, how this season's played out? For Colorado and Prime? Coach as Prime? expected? or Well, yeah, I think as expected because, you know, they came out of the gates and they had – Technically, they had zero expectation, okay? So they overachieved at the start. They had a decent schedule. Then they started playing some teams that the were... The real teams. The real know, Pac-12 teams. And yeah. they got stomped. Because what did he change over 80% of the roster? It was, I, the exact number, I don't know all the time. So I have, but high. It, it was Huge big. turnover. So this Huge is turnover. a team that's a year or two down the road. Well, more than a year. Probably two years down the road. And then you're going to see them uh, compete at the higher level with the higher teams. I mean, they lost 56-14 to Washington State last yeah. weekend. And Washington State, much like the, the Texas Tech Raiders, are a team that is vastly underwhelmed. They came yeah. in with some pretty decent expectations. But, um, that, I mean, that has to give the Cougars at least a little bit of mojo heading into mm-hmm. this game against the, the Huskies in Seattle. So One of the few games that I watched, not totally start to finish, was Michigan and Maryland last week. Mm. And that was a lot closer, I think, only by a touchdown, right? And Michigan heavily favored, obviously, but didn't play that well. And how I'm going to ask you this. So all the stuff that's happening off the field in Michigan, and we talk about it in the pro level and how guys have a hard time dealing and, and making the adjustments and handling all that outside noise at the pro level. How much more difficult is it for college guys, younger guys to handle that, Eddie? Yeah, that that's a really good question, actually. Just thinking about myself being at that age and having all this type of stuff going on, a lot of outside noise. I think these guys are very sheltered to a degree, especially mm-hmm. at a program like Michigan, because, yeah, you're going to class and stuff, but, man, these guys are essentially on a pro schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of class, they are in their little football bubble during the football season. So I think that they're able to be sheltered uh, and they're not just kind of uh, lost sheep on their own having to deal with all this type of stuff. Because when you're at Michigan, that's who's kidding who. That's a, that's an <laughs> NFL-run or franchise. It really is, you know? So that was similar, very similar to what you had to deal with at Winnipeg in, at U of M, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You I know, don't know if you guys have <laughs> – when you're not talking about the new IG field that's been there for 10 years either, we're talking about the field covered in goose crap behind it. Yeah, that's where you guys played? That's where we played, yes. Uh, uh, one of Anya, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be – would that be the second biggest highlight for you in your football career or – 
Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know. How, how do you rank? I mean, okay, it you win a great cup, be. great cup in 2015. Great cup number one, especially because great cup was in Winnipeg too. Yeah. So got to win it at home. Yeah. Uh, that's by far number one. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be up there, you know, winning the Vanier for sure. One thing that was really neat for me is in the lockout year of COVID, uh, they came up with um, the all-decade team from 2010 okay. to 2020, and uh, it was voted on by your peers, fans, media members, and I was a part of the all-decade team. So it was Almondo Sewell, Ted Laurent for the first team at defensive tackles, and then me and Micah Johnson for the second team. So to be considered an all-decade player uh, during the era that I played, uh, especially to be spoken about with those other three guys that played my position, that's something that's right up there for me because to be recognized by your peers, that's that's the, the thing that matters the most in my opinion. We should mention the Vanier Cup here quickly. We talked college football. And you think about, and we did talk to Chris Morris, and actually Chris Morris just texted me, so I'm going to... Uh, get to that, but I'm going to ask you a quick question, then you guys can um, talk about it. But I mean, you look at how close the Golden Bears were, and now UBC steamrolls uh, Saint FX, correct? Yeah, Saint yeah. FX. So now it'll be UBC in Montreal who steamrolled Western in the semis. So uh, it's going to be a good match. You think so? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I do. I think that uh, Montreal, they're building a good program out there. Uh, they've conquered Laval a few times over the past few years, and that's. That's uh, no no easy feat to do, and they have a really really uh, strong program because they can compete with Laval recruiting wise out there now in Quebec. That's why Laval has always been so strong. Is they essentially had the the run of the mill in terms of getting the the Quebecers coming out of the junior ranks, uh, the CJEP to come to Laval. So they had the free run there. But UBC, I, I think it's going to be a good battle because they're a really strong athletic team as well. Blake Nill is a heck of a recruiter himself. He he knows how to pull talent from all across Canada. And he's been to many Vanier mm-hmm. Cups, very experienced. He was um, the head coach of St. Mary's when we beat them in 07. Um, he's w- went to Vanier Cups with yeah. U- UFC Dinos. He's won a Vanier Cup with UBC. So he's been to so many different programs and won and had success. So he knows how to get it done. Chris Morris just texted me, and uh, he's driving back from Kingston to Toronto, and we're going to call him in three minutes, Duke. He's going to pull over on the side of the road, and uh, we're going to talk to Chris Morris, who won U Sports Coach of the Year. Uh, that's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Let's go in the community now for United Sport and Cycle. It's a Black Friday sale on now. Save up to 60% off throughout the store. The sale ends Sunday, so shop now at United Sport and Cycle. And we welcome in uh, University of Alberta Golden Bears head coach Chris Morris, who so graciously uh, kind of pulled over uh, on his drive from Kingston to Toronto this morning. Uh, coach, uh, welcome to Sports 1440 once again. You're with Kevin Carey, Eddie Steele, and congratulations on your award last night. Thanks, Kevin. Much appreciated. So you win the U Sports Coach of the Year, and it, the last time it happened to an Alberta Golden Bears coach was back in 2004, I believe, with Jerry Friesen. So I know what you're going to say, but uh, what's the award uh, mean to you and the program? Yeah, Kevin, I, I think uh, people need to understand like how like how many volunteers we're dependent on at Alberta. Like how and how many good people we have that just give their time freely. Like I'm sort of the ringleader here, but 
the staff and the people we have here that are there's there's special people, and the amount of hours they put in, you know, with very little compensation, and the the quality of coaches we have on my staff and the support staff we have, and just everyone who surrounds our program right now who are just so free and, and willing to give their time to help the young men that we're that we're working with. It's just it really is humbling to me to have those sort of people around and that they're they're willing to put that time in. So I, you know, I, I accept this award really on. On, on behalf of all of them because Kevin it's a special place we have going right now and we have some special people involved and I'm just sort of one part of it so yeah that's that's how I feel about it that's honestly and that's the reality of it yeah and Andy you know this firsthand you've seen it firsthand in Manitoba absolutely coach and congratulations you know being a Can West boy myself it's awesome to see you win that award and just the success that you guys had this year it was really nice to see so I know the, the the work, it never stops for a coach, especially with all the recruiting and whatnot, and you're already thinking about next season. What's your roster looking like heading into next year? Is there a lot of turnover, and you have a pretty good recruiting crop coming up? Yeah, we have some. We have a really good class signed already. We've got about 18 guys signed. We, we only lose four guys, though. Like we, we could lose a couple guys to the draft and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we lose Riley Safran, Rosary, who are, who've been with us for five years and are – you know, captains and tremendous people, and, and we're going to miss them greatly. And Quadwell Bohan, who came to us just as a transfer for two years from York, and Morgan Runge, who's our starting fullback. So those guys are, are out of eligibility. But really, everybody else is eligible to come back. So we, we have a very strong nucleus, and we have a good bunch of good young players. We've signed some great kids, too. I think we signed, you know, one of the better defensive ends I've seen in my whole time here coming out of uh, Calgary kid named Emerson Joy, who's a, who's a tremendous prospect, and, and, and several others. We've got a couple of good offensive linemen signed to the Saskatchewan. Like we're, we're looking very good long-term right now. Alberta head coach Chris Morris uh, joins us uh, just from between Kingston and Toronto, I guess. Uh, so, Chris, can you kind of double back to the Hardy Cup because the Golden Bears were so, so close, uh, if not for a last-minute uh, drive by UBC and some other things, but can you kind of take us back to the game against UBC where the Bears were, you know, just moments away from winning the Hardy Cup? Yeah, honestly, we uh, that's as close as you can come. I've never had been part of... Uh, anything where you're so close to winning. We were literally one play away from, from winning the game. Literally literally anything besides what happened. If anything else happened besides just, you know, the play that did, we would have we would have won that game. So we had a first down or sorry, a second down in inches and there there was a fumble and then a couple plays later they're in scoring range and it was just there was only fifty seconds left when all that started happening. And then there was a bunch of plays earlier in the game where you know, we had a touchdown called back where we thought we checked in and we didn't. And, uh, you know, there was a discussion amongst the officials, but it was overturned. And then, you know, yeah, just it was a it was a crazy series of events. UBC beat us. Credit to UBC. They're in the Vanier Cup. They're a very good team. They beat us three times this year. So, you know, hats off to, to the UBC Thunderbirds. But, you know, that's as close as you can come to beating someone without actually doing it. It was unfortunate. Um, really, really 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 upset for my my fifth year guys who you know the, you know the morgans and the john mm-hmm. rosaries and the riley Spranskys and quads who are out of eligibility because they they put a lot of time and effort in it's it's hard turning a program around it's hard it's it's humbling it's it's difficult work and they put all that work in and uh would have been nice to see them go a little further but you know we didn't and uh hats off to ubc coach uh, i want to get your opinion 
on how you feel that the conference of CanWest has come in advance just with the talent and the level of play. When I played, uh, it was uh, I, I'm biased. I always thought it was the best conference, but it, it's changed in terms of the skill positions, I feel. When I was in college, it was a lot more bigger, bruiser type of football, where now it's kind of keeping up with the OUA style of skill and speed and possession. What do you see over your tenure with the change and advancement of the ball that's played in Can West? Yeah, I'll tell you, one of my biggest surprises was the quality of coach. When I, when I decided to come here, I had no idea how good the coaches were. Like Brian Doby, who's a good friend of mine now, um, Blake Nell, you know, like all those guys in Can West can coach, and they do a great job recruiting. And I'm going to say this, and I say it without even a moment of hesitation, from top to bottom, there is no better conference than Canada West in this country. Amen. Every team can play. They're grown men. The lines of scrimmage are all grown men. And if you don't have grown-ups playing, you are going to get bumped. And it is, it is my freaking absolute pre- privilege to coach in this conference. It is unbelievably challenging. You have to be well-coached. You have to have mature athletes. You have to have kids who play with discipline. And if you don't check off all those boxes, you're going to take a beating every week. So it's, uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's other really good teams across the country, but there is no conference where every team is mm-hmm. capable of beating one of the best teams in the nation every single week. And it's uh, it's fun to coach it. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, Eddie is just totally agreeing with you right now. I wish you could see him in the studio, which uh, sets up the Vanier Cup for tomorrow. UBC defeated St. FX last week. Uh, Montreal beat Western, so it's Montreal and UBC. Just a quick comment on that game tomorrow in the Vanier Cup. Yeah, they're both good teams. I'll tell you, that Montreal team, they were at the banquet. Yes, that's a big team. <laughs> There's some growing up to that team, man. That's, uh, and, and, you know, UBC's not a small team either. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, that Montreal team looked impressive just walking off, walking into the banquet last night. So it'll be, I know UBC will give them all they can handle, and I know it'll be a good game. But that's, uh, you know, I, yeah, I got a, a lot of appreciation for uh, what Marco there's done at uh, University of Montreal. He's been, you know, knocking on the door and it's really Montreal and uh and Laval just battle it out every year to come out of that conference and whoever does come out it's always really really good so oh. it'll be a good game hey coach thanks for uh, pulling over on the side of the road and uh, taking a quick five six minutes with us here congratulations on the award congratulations on a great season and uh we'll look for more of it next year for the uh, Golden Bears in Canada West thanks a lot Chris thanks Kevin thanks for having me on that's uh Golden Bears head coach Chris Morris in the community for United Sport and cycle. Man, you you bang hit the nail on the head, bang on there, Eddie, about Canada West and how tough it is. Yeah. I mean, there could be three teams playing in the easily three teams right now playing in the Vanier Cup today from it, out west. I've always been very biased. It's a different brand of football and I've gone to the All Star games and I've played with guys and at All Star Games you're there with, spending a week with the best players from every other conference. So I've seen what's out there, and I firmly believe the best of the best are in Can West. You know, and if this were a Seinfeld episode with Frank Costanza sitting with Lloyd Braun and George, it would be one tick on the board for Chris Morris pulling over on the side of the road, driving from Kingston to Toronto, and zero on the other side for Declan Freddy Krueger. No okay. showed. No show. His first hit with us. First hit. Boy. Could be the last one, too, eh, Duke, or what? <laughs> He's on thin ice now, that's for sure. <laughs> I wonder what the fine will be. There's got to be a fine. Yeah, you want to you know something else uh, of note here? So I, I was, you know, uh, since 
very light day in sports yesterday, kind of thinking about what to open the show with today and mm-hmm. uh, thought to uh, reach out to a couple of college people, uh, football people from the States, but also it is still the holiday down there. Yeah. So, you know, with their families. One other person who I'd uh, reached out to was Edmonton's very own Jason Strudwick about uh, <laughs> Friday mornings, the only day he's not uh, on the ice uh, yeah. doing his coaching and stuff. So, so asked if he wanted to hop on at 720. What did he say? Go to he hell? He just texted me back <laughs> at 755. I texted him at about three o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. He said, just got this. Oh, yeah. That's Struddy. <laughs> That's Streddy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when we come back, top of the hour, uh, Mark Spector will check in from the nation's capital in the United States, Washington. That's coming up. Carry is steel on Sports 1440. Before that, though, time for uh, Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. And you know what? We might have to change this, Duke, because normally there's just games Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. But I'm sure if you go down to First Round today... Go to either location, the downtown location. Go down to there or go down to the one right here in West Edmonton Mall. You'll get 50% off wings. Ask for Mark Levers. Here's the Duke.